0: And that's why a lot of girls don't get into comics. And that's why it's so refreshing to see Kamala Khan. She's nerdy. She's geeky. She loves her family. She loves her friends. Like She's just trying to do her thing and pass math class. And (laughs) yeah, it was just all very relatable.
1: <laughs> One of the things that actually did bother me about her as a superhero is her rogues gallery.
0: Wait, what do you mean by her rogues gallery? Her
1: supervillains.
0: Maybe her main villain is time management. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: world needs, Ryan? A
1: spoonful of cocaine to help the medicine go down.
2: No, I was thinking something that could breathe new life into the tired superhero genre. Something to hit the reset button on the old status quo. I get it. You want Zack Snyder. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. I always want Zack Snyder. But sometimes I think that is the last thing that we need more of. What the world actually needs? Legalization of recreational marijuana. Well, duh. But this is a podcast about comic books, so I'm thinking refreshing takes with new, charming, and quirky characters who reflect the changing faces of our society and make us look inward and want to be better people. Has there been a stoner superhero yet? I'm Roman (laughs) Seigel, And I'm Ryan Joe, And we're two dudes somehow still reading books about teen girls in New Jersey. So, this week we are reading Miss Marvel, written by award winning novelist and Muslim American G. Willow Wilson. Some would argue that Miss Marvel was one of the most important books and new characters that the House of Ideas Marvel Comics released way back when in 2014 when it looked like the world was just going to keep on getting better. And it did. It came true.
1: The world kept on getting better. And now it's 2021 and everything is perfect.
2: End of podcast. <sighs> As we know, that was not the case, but I want to talk about Miss Marvel. It has one familiar thing, the name of the hero, but everything else is all new and all different because we're introduced to a young woman named Kamala Khan, a Pakistani-American teenage girl, just trying to get her homework done, write fan fiction, play MMORPGs, figure out her relationship with her religious brother, come to terms with her best friends, and meet the expectations of her immigrant parents. Oh, man. Will it ever be a TV show? Actually... It's like you're setting me up. Ms. Marvel will be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus in December.
1: And here's a fun fact for you. The Ms. Marvel action figure comes with the torso of the Abomination.
2: Anyway, so along the way, Kamala Khan is bitten by a radioactive samosa. I mean, she's exposed to the Terrigan Mist, which powers the Inhumans, and she gains morphogenic powers, which basically means she gains the abilities to stretch, shrink, and embiggen, change shape, heal, and all sorts of other awesome stuff. She's like Plastic Man meets Wolverine wrapped in a spunky can-do teen girl attitude. So as you can imagine, hijinks ensue across the tri-state area. So your script wants me to ask you mean Cincinnati, Indiana,
1: and Northern Kentucky, but- seeing as I live in New York by way of California, I'm only
2: vaguely aware that those states border each other at all. <laughs> well, we are talking about Marvel, which tends to be hyper obsessed with New York City. But unlike pretty much all of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe, our dear Kamala Khan does not live in New York City, but across the Hudson River in Jersey City, which might as well be in
1: northern Kentucky. Rummen What's a good soundtrack that embodies the values of both
2: Northern Kentucky and New Jersey? Well, I wouldn't know, but I like to listen to some good old Bruce Springsteen or maybe even the Garden State soundtrack.
0: That's a great soundtrack. Oh my gosh. So
2: joining us to talk about our new favorite Pakistani-American superhero is our new favorite Pakistani-American comic book geek from the tri-state area. Well, DC
0: technically is not a state. Not yet.
2: Because I think what Ryan needs to realize as the East Coast liberal elite that he is, is that there are multiple tri-state areas in this country. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Lena hosts the podcast Grounded Geeks with her brother Amon, which is basically quarantine comics meets modern minorities. And since we met a few months ago, we have found out that we are both really big fans of Kamala Khan. But Lena, before we dig into Miss Marvel, can you tell us a little bit more about the kinds of stories that you're into in comic books and beyond?
0: Well, tough question. I think I'm basically looking for stories about people that I can root for. Honestly, so I am i feel like I'm a, a fake comic book nerd <laughs> because the only comic book I really try to read religiously is about Miss Marvel. So I've read all the issues. I'm up to date on that. And then I dabble in everything else
2: religiously (laughs) unintended
0: i know my god i didn't even realize that (laughs) my bad (laughs) well and so
2: but i guess through your like relationship with your brother you've been consuming call it this pop culture star wars star trek kung fu Mm -hmm. material for a while
0: Yes, that is true. I mean, growing up, I would just basically try to copy my brother and do whatever he was doing for a long time, and that also involved reading comics. So I would try to read a lot of his comics. A lot of times he wouldn't let me, all that. And then, but yeah, I'm super, this is so, sorry, super into, I was about to say I'm super into the superhero genre, but (laughs) (laughs) so lame. But yes, I am very much into the superhero genre, but I got into that even though I had grown up reading like probably I think the most vividly one that I can remember is like Superman comics that my brother had but then I honestly just thought comics were the sort of I, I just thought it was a boys club quite frankly and I thought like okay this isn't for me this is for guys this is just It's their thing. Girl's not allowed. Whatever. So I didn't touch comic books for years.
2: I'm really Mm -hmm. curious about that. Like, I -hmm. I think I know why, because Ryan and I, we went back and reread all the 90s Mm X-Men. We realized that what we thought was really (laughs) cool was just there to titillate. (laughs) Teenage boys. Is that pretty much what it was?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really sexist. I mean, it's just sort of, there were a lot of comic books where I was like, this costume is entirely impractical. Why? (laughs) Like, and so, and I still think that, honestly, when I read some of the comics now. So, but yeah, so I, I didn't even touch comic books for years. And then I think what really got me into superheroes in general were the movies when the toby Maguire spider-man movie came out i was like whoa this is amazing (laughs) and so i got pulled into that first into the the movies and then slowly back into comic books mainly because of miss marvel i heard i think i like read an article about it or my brother saw an article and sent it to me and i was like oh my god there's gonna be basically a comic book about me and then i was like i need to investigate further mean, so I was
1: I was wondering how do your tastes now that you are like a refined comic connoisseur <laughs> no longer imitating your brother how how do your tastes and your brother's tastes how have they diverged
0: I think my brother is very much like he is in tune with everything that's happening I would say in both the Marvel comics and DC comics and Whatever, and then I we also read Saga. I'm sure you guys have read Saga, right? I assume. Well, Ryan, we, we didn't did, read indeed. the last volume. I mean. Oh my god! What? <laughs> no, I, okay. I, I, I,
1: did. We reviewed it, and when we reviewed it, I had not read the last couple of issues because I procrastinate. Um, nothing, nothing, major happens in those <laughs> yeah, last it issues.
0: Totally doesn't hang like end on a cliffhanger or anything. But yeah. we, I, we did.
1: I did end up reading it, and we actually re-recorded it, so you wouldn't oh, know. Nice. If, yeah. you, if you listen to the episode that I was uh, delinquent. <laughs>
0: all right. <laughs> well, yeah. So my brother knows like all the different, like he reads all the different crossover things happening with different characters in Marvel and DC and all that. And I just find it to be a little bit overwhelming. So I think I've gotten just more into sort of standalone graphic novels. And I really enjoyed Saga. I, I was in a comic book store in New York City and, one of the guys working there just recommended it randomly and I was like, OK, cool, I'll try this. And so, so yeah, I think that's how we differ.
2: And what about stories beyond comics? Because, I mean, your podcast, Grounded Geeks, uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, very rarely do you cover comics and sometimes you cover comic book adaptations on TV. But like the episode I just listened to, it was about the Mandalorian but it was about religious extremism.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically we we talk about all different movies, TV shows, books, comic books that we love and just geek out about in terms of the storytelling, the characters, etc. But a lot of times what my brother and I really like doing is relating these fantastical stories to the real world. And so we talk about how For example, on our most recent episode of The Mandalorian and Religious Extremism, we talk about how Mando is basically, uh, as we find out on the TV show, he's been raised in a death cult. And what does that mean? There are plenty of people actually in the real world who have been raised in that manner all over the world, whether it's ISIS or the KKK. So uh, there's, there's just a lot to talk about because even any of these storytellers, whether you're a screenwriter or a comic book artist you're drawing from things that are real life. So it's just interesting to bring it back to that and talk about that too for us. Cool. Well,
2: why don't we dive into Ms. Marvel because I think there's a lot to talk about. Ryan, I mean, this was your first take on it. Had you how before we decided to do this episode, how much did you know about what Marvel had tried to do or Marvel did do almost a decade with the uh, Kamala Khan?
1: I was familiar with the character, definitely familiar when she was introduced because there was a big marketing push behind it. It was the first Muslim superhero. At at a time, especially, I think the United States, the Western world was still very much reeling from... There was a lot of anti-Muslim prejudice. I mean, there still Mm -hmm. is. But especially then, and, and I, I felt like Ms. Marvel was definitely, part of her was was, was a response to, to what was happening to the Muslim community. So I was certainly aware of the character, but it, she debuted in 2014. And at that point in time, I was not really reading superhero comics that much. And so I didn't really pick up any of her adventures. However, I was aware of her importance in being part of the Marvel comics universe. And I was also aware of how important she was for fans of superhero comics who for the longest time, I mean, she really, I, I really think she's a first minority superhero of, of significance. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I, well, I, okay.
2: I shouldn't say that because there are black superheroes. What's, what's worth saying is at the moment Kamala Khan came out and I was at the time sunsetting my collection of like superhero issues and digging more into indie or non-superhero genre stuff by image, dark horse. But at that moment, they decided to have Thor be a woman. That they decided to have Sam Wilson, a black man, take on the mantle and the shield of Captain America. Mm-hmm. They introduced Miles Morales, a black yeah. Spider-Man living in Brooklyn. And one thing, and it was cool. Like I was like, whoa, uh way to take some swings, Marvel, based on where the world's going but the tucker carlson troll dome that is the internet was like what the fuck marvel why are you doing this oh my god i'm gonna quit reading marvel comics and it egged me on to make me want to read more of these stories as it was happening it was a really interesting moment where like the fandom was or the fanboydom was saying no 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 you can't ruin my childhood things that are not supposed to change which is something we talk a lot about Ryan, on the show like superheroes never change they hit the reset button over and over and over again nothing ever changes and i think that's what was so important about this to me well kamala is also a
1: completely new character sam wilson becoming captain america he was a falcon before a jane foster becoming thor she was thor's girlfriend but kamala is entirely new and even though she has the name of Mar- captain marvel Her powers are completely unique and have nothing to do with with the original
2: Captain Marvel at all.
0: I was just going to say, that part, actually, when I first started reading it, when the first few issues came out, it annoyed me. I was like, what the hell? You have your first Muslim American superhero, and you're going to give her some recycled superhero name? Like, what is this? But then, of course, as I read the issues, I understood what they were trying to do.
2: Well, and I mean, I think that was something that's... Brian, I definitely want to get your take on your reaction, but the thing that endears me so much to Kamala Khan, I remember rereading it a couple years ago when my daughter was two, I was like, I want her to read this when she's old enough, right? Because she's a fangirl. Like, she's literally, oh, it's not just boys who are into this shit, right? Like, there is a world where boys and girls can be into this and can take ownership and feel this, and that's... I mean, that's where she takes her identity from, someone who she loves and cares about so much.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, for me, what resonated most with Ms. Marvel is the specificity of her circumstances. I mean, G. Willow Wilson really does lean into her religiosity. You had said last week when we were previewing Ms. Marvel, Roman, that she's like, in a way, she's like a modern Spider-Man. She's this... Kid who's just trying to make it work, but keeps screwing up along the way. And there's an element to which that's definitely the case. And I think that's that's sort of like that's that's a very universal f- thing for kids. You try to do right, but you you keep messing up, and you have to learn your life lessons along the way. But at the same time, there's an incredible amount of specificity of like the relationships with her family, the relationships with her religion, uh, her sense of responsibility versus how to reconcile all of that. So that's a stuff that I really responded to the most, that I was most interested in G. Willow Wilson. I
2: would—I was going to say interpretation of this character, but in her telling of this character's story. I know. I was going to say something I think I realized. Like, obviously, I love comics, and I love genre fiction and storytelling, but I think something... I've been thinking about a lot of the books that I've loved over the years, and... It's the relatable every man, or in Kamala's case, every woman. Chuck Dixon did a take on Robin in the nineties, which a lot of people said took on the mantle of Peter Parker. Brian Michael Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man recast Spider-Man as a teen in the modern two thousands. Then he introduces us to Miles Morales, and Miss Marvel is the same. It's someone I, I can't relate to these people because I'm not a teenager anymore, but I remember those moments of my life, and I, I think it is this like every man's take. Is like the perfect formula for superheroes, but it can't be done with every hero. And I think that's what makes it work with a level of specificity into someone else's life, a Muslim household. I mean, there I think they speak Urdu, but there's things that they mm-hmm. say or like beta and like, This is like the Hindi and the Punjabi that I was hearing growing up. And it just hmm. it really drew me in. I, I don't so Lena, I have to ask the obvious question. Mm -hmm. this is a pakistani american girl you were reading a comic about a pakistani american girl written by an egyptian american to be clear but like Mm -hmm. how did you first respond to it
0: i immediately uh saw myself in her character and also wait i'm pretty sure it's kamala khan i think that's how they pronounce the name in the comics our vice president goes by kamala but just yeah, I
2: think I it's, but... <laughs> my grandma was Kamala. So
0: Yeah, I th- but I'm pretty sure that's how they Marvel has decided to pronounce it anyway. But yeah, I get confused by it all the time.
2: That's what my mom would say. It doesn't matter, beta. It is Kamala. Yeah, <laughs> <you>. exactly.
0: <laughs> so I immediately, I mean, just identified with her character. I thought the family scenes, the interactions with her parents were just really spot on. I also have an older brother. She has an older brother. She has issues with time management. So do I like it's just like all of it. I thought it was really great. And the way that G. Will Wilson decided to weave in the religious aspects of it, but not have it be this overpowering presence. It was great. I mean, even in the I think, I don't know, maybe this was in the very first issue. There's like a scene where she's at the mosque or something with her friend. They're listening to some lecture from the sheikh and they're just showing them sitting on the ground listening. And like half the kids are like falling asleep. Half of them are on their phone. I'm like, this is so true to real life. And so it's just, I just found it to be incredibly accurate. I mean, minus the superhero part, the powers, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, so now that we're done with the gushing part, and more gushing will be allowed. Ryan, come on! I, I know you're itching. I know you're itching.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not itching to shit on. Th- so, I, uh, Lena, like, Roman always has this thing where he's like, "Okay, Ryan, okay, shit on it. I love this book. I shit on it. Like, it, I, I know, I know you're gonna say something horrible.
2: It's part of our. It's part of our shtick. It's part I, of our charge.
0: I'm already no, bracing myself. No, I'm just. I'm-
2: well, Lena, we get to defend this. <laughs>
1: I'm just going to say, I like, I just have a certain impatience these days with, the, like, the, with superheroes in yeah. general. And that, that's not, it doesn't have anything to do with Ms. Marvel specifically. Here's the thing. If I were to criticize this, it's sort of like, I, I'm aware I'm not the target audience. So some of the things that I say, if Marvel were to, like, correct it, it would be antithetical to what they are trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, for instance, I was so interested in what Kamala was going through with her family, trying to juggle her superheroics, that when she became part of the Avengers, when she started interacting with the other superheroes, it actually, to me, it felt like it diluted that character. So... Personally, I wish that she was just like holding down this enclave in Jersey City and we were just getting her adventures and everything that happened with the Avengers, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, that was on the periphery. That would have been more compelling to me. However, I also understand that what Marvel is trying to do is create this character who is integrated into the Marvel Universe. And as such, they need to have her interact with the Avengers. They need to have her team up with Wolverine. So. What Marvel was trying to do, I think, undermined the, the most interesting aspects of her story. But I also understand
2: why Marvel was trying to do it. Well, do, that you think, uh, do you think Do you think Kamala had to exist? Part of her character, who she is as a person, is a fangirl who looks up to Carol Danvers, who looks up to Tony Stark, who yes. knows all of Peter Parker's team-ups. Or uh, not Peter Parker, but she knows him as Spider-Man, right? And I think some of the most endearing moments were those ones when she keeps meeting like the A-listers, the meeting with Wolverine. I think there's some like backstory stuff where she interacts with S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. And it was a little pandering where everyone's like, we've got our eye on you, kid. We've been hearing good things about you, kid. But it was just like, oh, wow, our girl who we're rooting for, people are starting to take notice. She isn't alone. And there are these moments where she feels
0: completely isolated.
2: I don't know. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it also... Like, Ryan, I totally get what you're saying, because th- that part actually wasn't the most appealing part to me either, Of uh, where she's teaming up with the Avengers and doing all this stuff. But I also think it was really on point for her personality and her character. She's just trying to prove herself and like she gets a chance to meet her heroes. So she definitely wants to team up with them. And she's just constantly trying to, she's just biting off more than she can chew, basically. And which I found really interesting. And even as I was reading these issues, it just reminded me a lot of myself. And I think a lot of probably other minority kids growing up in the US, where you are constantly trying to prove yourself. You're trying to, Just say yes to everything and like, so you can be Mm. accepted by the cool kids and all this and that. And you want to be able to just do everything. And yeah, I get what you mean by that. But I also think it just, it fit with the personality that they created for her.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, so uh, so I'm conflicted there because one thing I like the most about Kamala, is it Kamala or Kamala? Kamala. (laughs) Kamala. (laughs) One thing I like the most about Kamala is, and and this is unique to her, is her self-doubt. You, you mm-hmm. Like you think about Peter Parker, he's arrogant. I mean the whole the whole reason Uncle Ben dies is because he's he's being an arrogant asshole. Wow. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's I, true. <laughs> and Kamala's like she hurts one of the supervillains a little bit too much and she's really upset about that, which is different. It's not something that you'd normally see. She's reacting to her own I guess her own capacity for violence. As, which is necessary as a superhero. And she's not sure if she's comfortable with that. And there's, as you mentioned earlier, that moment when she's always saying, yes, she's putting too much on her plate because she just wants to please. So all of those aspects of her are really unique. You really don't see that a lot in, in, in superheroes. And I do like how that manifests when she encounters her her peers, other superheroes like Captain Marvel or Spider-Man or Iron Man. But I do feel like a little bit of that goes a long way because you'd see it over and over again. you see your fan geeking out with Wolverine, with Iron Man, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. with Spider-Man. It's sort of like, do we really need all of those guys? It's like, I, it would be really effective if all of that sort of energy were focused on the Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel relationship because, of course, that's who she really idolizes so that's why i'm kind of mixed on it it's sort of like yeah it leads to some good moments when she's interacting with the other superheroes but man she's interacting with them a hell of a lot
2: well yeah i i hear you there and there, there's a really interesting book there's a writer i really like named mark wade we've talked about him he did fantastic four in the flash and he did a book called the champions which takes place probably a few years in and it's basically all these like young kids. There's a new version of Nova, who's a Hispanic kid. There's Miles Morales, the Black Spider-Man. There's Kamala Khan. And then there's even an Asian Hulk, right? And and Cyclops from the past, like teenage Cyclops. And they basically break away from the Avengers because they are like, it's taking that storyline in this book where they're like, man, disaffected teens, we're not just about our smartphones and TikTok. We actually care about stuff don't we? And that's what this book Champions, which only ran, like I think, two volumes about, but was all about. So to to make that happen, and and Kamala is one of the more grounded characters in that because of her culture, because of her. Mm -hmm. She is an American. She does live in JC, but at the same time, she's part of a Muslim household, and so she's not going to hang out with boys. She's not going to stay out too late. She does respect her curfew, whereas and she's the only girl, actually, as well. She's arguably the more mature one, and I guess it has been cool watching her interact in the Marvel universe. But maybe that should happen in other books. I guess maybe it shouldn't happen in Miss Marvel too. We, I want to spend Miss Marvel dealing with the specificity of stuff because, like, I'll give you one very specific thing that really upset me: they didn't spend enough time on it. I think in the span of like and I don't, I don't know if it was, like, Volume 4 or Volume 5, in the span of, like, one and a half issues, her brother finds a girl, she's Black, they get married. <laughs> like, and yeah, it might have been two issues, and I would have loved to stretch that out as a subplot over six issues. Because they do talk about, like, her brown parents reacting to a Black woman, and then the Black woman's parents reacting to a bunch of Muslims because their daughter had converted. And They had the space and the opportunity to go deeper, and there were moments when they just decided to brush some of that stuff aside. And maybe that's because it was Marvel.
0: Mm -hmm. And I wonder, actually, if they're going to try and explore that a bit more in the TV show, maybe. Like, who knows? But yeah, I totally agree. That could have been its own sort of like a miniseries within the comics. Yeah, sure. There's so much there that they could have explored. Well, even the boy,
2: Uh, like the pining boy, the Dawson's Creek relationship with Bruno.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't don't say that because...
2: (laughs) But it's... (laughs) And, And that's why that's actually why I wanted to read volume five, because they bring that up. Because at the end of volume four... He does profess his love and it potentially puts the entire relationship on this awkward hold because she's like, I feel the same way about you, but this is the most important thing happening in my life right now. These powers, the Avengers, all this stuff. I need to do this. And then they effectively reset and merge the entire Marvel universe with the big annual event. Mm -hmm. And they come back and they reboot the series and it's like, oh, I've been in the Avengers for a couple of months and he's moved on in a relationship and they cover it well, but they just sidestepped it. Once again, they shortcut The like really deep-cutting character drama that I think makes this book special.
0: But they revisit it for sure. I think it's it's they revisit it throughout. Okay, yeah. So just FYI, (laughs) they do go back to that. (laughs) What
2: happened with Dawson and Joey? Oh my god. So here's
1: here's here's I guess there's this tension between Ms Mar- in Ms Marvel between her being really grounded with her family issues, her trying to reconcile like like juggle her religious obligations and her her schoolwork and all that sort of stuff, and then there are aspects where it gets really really cartoony, and her team up with the other superheroes is a part of that. But also, for instance, when at uh, end of volume five, she just like clones herself over and over again, and it's funny. It's <laughs> the pitching's are great. It's a really, really funny moment. But also, no one seems to react to that. She's just like, "What?" <laughs> the Everyone's like, "Oh wow!" There's a lot of com- there's 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 a lot of kamalas a running giant around. It's like <laughs> tumble it Easy it was, peasy and she's just like it's a science experiment gone wrong. So on the one hand I really <laughs> like those moments, but on the other hand it's sort of like but no one is taking it that seriously. And so it feels like Ms. Marvel a lot of times is sort of trying to figure out like what aspects of the world to take seriously and what aspects treat as a cartoon. And in a way Ms. Marvel's powers the fact that she kind of they are cartoony. It's plastic they're cartoony. Man. Yeah. She's like Super yeah, she's
0: cartoony, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so both elements are really really great on their own but when they mix together it creates for me at least it creates this sort of like wait so what reality are we in are we in a world where hey there are serious responsibilities that you need to adhere to and there are real stakes or is it sort of like hey everything's a cartoon and i, I, I think Olsen, that was, right yeah
0: <laughs> yeah some parts of it that really bothers me too sometimes also even with her costume i'm like how can you not tell this is her. It's Kamala, guys. It's your friend. It's your sister. It's your daughter. Come on. And, and so. she's wearing,
2: like, bur- uh explain this. It's, like, basically uh like, proper Muslim bathing suit. It's a burkini and... <laughs> And like, it's the one that her parents got her.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, but honestly, that whole storyline where she clones herself though, I mean, I was like, man, if I had the option to do that, I actually would also try and do that. I would try and clone myself (laughs) because another thing that I really relate to in general is she's, so not only is she Muslim American, she's a minority in America, all this stuff. She's also the only daughter in a South Asian household. And I talk about this a lot with my other fellow South Asian female friends, but it's there's like a whole, I don't even know how to explain it, but there's a whole different layer of
2: standard expectations.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but really like expectations that we tend to put on ourselves that we're trying to be there for our families, trying to, there's a lot of things that like daughters are expected to handle that sons are necessarily not. I'm not saying that my family is necessarily like that, but this is a whole societal sort of pressure for sure. And that's this with this whole storyline with the whole cloning herself and everything i i felt that on a soul level like really it was i was like girl ah, uh, man i feel it like i i understand she wants to be in all these places at the same time and she's not able to and this is the only solution she can come up with and so yeah and but also that whole scene where she sends a clone to her family's house to meet her brother's like fiancés, parents, and all that. And then the clone starts melting. I was laughing so hard. I thought that was so funny. Well, and it's completely cartoonish, but hilarious.
2: Good science fiction (laughs) says, oh, we're not talking about genocide. We're talking about robots. And I think that's the slapstick nature of this book lends itself to do that. Because the, the thing that draws me to this book time and time again, why I want to keep coming back to understanding what's going on with Kamala is the the zany antics are trying to teach a lesson and explain something. So that ex- that whole mm-hmm. episode right of I have to clone myself because I have so much going on, I have so much duty to my family, duty to my school, duty to my avengers. teammates in the avengers, <laughs> right. It's it's scratching a deeper itch, I think. And and it's doing it with slapstick. It's not doing it with science fiction. It just again, mm-hmm. the slapstick mm-hmm. science fiction nature of it is well cloning people and they touch on that a lot like the introduction to Loki it was weird, but like, I was like, okay, so there are these golems,
0: I guess. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it, though, because it's a comic book. Guys, come on. Right, exactly. And it's just, it's a totally different sort of medium. Like, if this was happening in the TV show, I'd be like, okay, Yeah, they're, they're, no, that like, part
2: probably will not be in the TV show. <laughs> right.
0: I, I expect the TV show to be a little bit more, I don't know, like, ser- not serious, but believable. <laughs> and... But so I don't know how they're gonna do it. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they interpret it. But what one of the other yeah.
2: we're going off canon here. But so I just grabbed a bunch of books from the library, and one was Miss Marvel team up, which I'm still reading, and it has like a two issue crossover with Spider Man. So there is a Spider Man crossover in this one, but this other two issue crossover is it's um, a Freaky Friday. They like switch bodies, and so adult Peter Parker is in Kamala Khan's body for a couple of days, and they keep switching. So at the end of the issue it's like this that there's some moments where there is some anti-islam stuff against kamala and it's just like high school shit teenagers Mm. being shitty to other teenagers which doesn't really exist in the miss marvel universe as much but in for this spider-man crossover they show that they show what being a teen girl and parental expectations and and at the end peter has his moment he's like Gosh, I never realized. And it's that same stuff you just referenced earlier. Peter had a shitty time as a kid, but he grew up and became cool. And yes, he can never make the rent, but that's his own damn fault, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And but True. it was this, "Oh, I'm a white guy of privilege. I didn't know you had it so hard, brown teenage girl." And yeah. I again, I think this is the power of Kamala as a construct in the Marvel universe is it's a different set of eyes to to observe and comment on the world through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to ask, how many times is Peter Parker going to switch bodies? Like, it's, yeah, it's- actually <laughs> He's like, I'm an expert at this. Okay, I, I, here's the playbook <laughs> of what to do. No, but I, I do appreciate. I mean, again, I wonder how I would have responded to Ms. Marvel if I were reading this when I myself was 16 and becoming aware that none of these... Characters in the Marvel Universe really look like me, or everyone was white. I told you, I told you, Roman, for a while, Iron Man was my favorite character because I thought Tony Stark was freaking Asian the way they drew him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. So and then and then mm-hmm. later on, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess he's just a white dude. This is yeah. And then I become aware of sort of like the the Fu Manchu sort of bullshit that they were pulling back when he was fighting the Mandarin, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I mean. Even though I wasn't like explicitly thinking, oh man, I really wish there was a guy, a character who looked like me. it was something that you internalize,
2: even if you don't no, have- No, 100%. Like all I got as a kid was awesome in Street Fighter. And yeah. my wife and I, I shouldn't say this, but we needed something dumb to watch. So we're watching the more, the new Mortal Kombat movie. It's so bad. <laughs> it's it's <really> so bad.
0: <laughs> it's, it's
2: hilariously bad. And that's why we're watching it. Mm-hmm. But same thing. It's like, there were never cool- and I'm not saying like you had a better Asian kids, but like, yeah, there never was anyone like we didn't even have martial arts. Right. And now I, mean, I think being an Indian person today, like everyone loves yoga and chai. So sure. But yeah, like it's, I do wonder how I would react to this if I was 16 as well, because yeah. I think the other thing that makes this book good for a 16 year old boy or a 16 year old girl is this is a real girl. Like, I mean, you, uh, Lena, we talked about this at the top of the episode the women that were being portrayed in the comics Ryan and I and your brother were reading
0: mm-hmm. really
2: screwed up our perception of women like a whole generation mm. of girls
0: yeah, <laughs> as a screwed up
2: point of view on women because of the X-Men
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and that's why a lot of girls wouldn't don't get into comics right <laughs> so yeah they just don't i think they just don't feel represented at all and this that's why it's so it's refreshing to see Kamala Khan because she's nerdy. She's geeky. She loves her family. She loves her friends. Like she's just trying to do her thing and pass math class. And (laughs) yeah, it was just all very relatable.
1: (laughs) So Kamala has been around for six, seven years now. One of the things that actually did bother me about her as a superhero is her rogues gallery is not as Awesome as some of the other, you know, superheroes has have they developed her rogues gallery since since her debut?
0: Wait, what do you mean by her rogues gallery? Her super her
1: super villains.
0: <laughs> Sorry, see, I told you, fake comic book nerd. I don't like she, they're. I don't really know if she has like. I don't know. I'm trying to think like as it develops on. There are some villains who return, but there's there's maybe like it's like one or two. But I don't I don't really know what her like, maybe her main villain is time management. <laughs> 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 like it's really or just like balancing family expectations. Who knows?
2: Although, so, Although what I will say was upon the, the second or third reread for this podcast is when they're having like the Hudson Yards development and reallocation association, yeah. which was an acronym yeah. for Hydra. Like, yeah yeah some shit like that just like made me like giggle so. like i actually like
0: her villains are gentrification and like these <laughs> other sort of like capitalism and things like that so i
1: did actually kind of like that spin though like there's this gentrification aspect which is a real issue that people are dealing with but they bring the super villain turn to it i did i did appreciate that sort of creativity
2: and brand marketing mm. was an enemy of hers because they literally co-opted like, our marketing. identity.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that line where whoever the Hydra person was, they're like, "We were g- giving you a brand," and she's like, "I don't want a brand. I want a purpose." Like, yeah. I was like, "Yes, good, good line. Love that."
1: <laughs> there is actually, unfortunately, it's a DC supervillain, but
2: there is a supervillain called the Clock King who would be perfect <laughs> for for Kamala. <laughs> That's true. So what's funny though is. I think about I've been asked on other podcasts like what's your superpower what do you wish your superpower was and I never think about that this is actually the one I think about all the time it's not the flash and super speed it's the ability to stop time that's what I want mm. like I want to stop time so I can get a lot of shit done like there's yes. books I want to read now the problem if you were to abuse that power is i would be aging because let's say i just sneak an hour every day or a few hours every day or i catch a nap i pause time so i can take a nap for five hours and i'm more well-rested that would add up. And so after a few years, you guys would be like, Roman, you're looking really old. What's the, are you okay?
0: But I've had that exact same thought, honestly. <laughs> that, that would be a great superpower, but this is the bad part of it, <laughs> where I would just Although, age faster. <laughs>
2: unless, because all the times I'm stopping time, I'm resting more, I'm exercising more. Like, I do think, <laughs> look, I am a 55-year-old, person in the body of a 40 something you know <laughs> and i have friends who are in their 40s but clearly live in the bodies of a 25 year old because of yoga or whatever right?
0: so, that's true yeah i guess it all depends <laughs> so the age factors.
2: the age-defying power of yoga Raman. i like that I like i'm <laughs> saying indian people are cool now they they weren't <laughs> back in the day back back then it was yoga fire <laughs> and yoga flame okay i'm just gonna well i, I told you this already but like
1: yeah like It took me until I was 16 to realize that yoga was not like a a, a combative martial art because of Street (laughs) Fighter. So
2: I'm sorry about that. I'm going to start randomly flipping through the book because I feel like there's other moments. I don't want to fanboy and gush too much on this, but like, I don't know. Like, there's things I just, I, there's, here's what I'd say. The plots are so, so. The plots are constructs for me. It, the plots are just character delivery vehicles. Like I and this is again, Ryan, we talk about like superhero comics don't do much for me anymore either because it's more of the same. But the what Kamala Khan proves to me is there this isn't a reboot. This isn't a reset. Everything she does is new. And i I think they've switched writers now to a dude who I believe is also Muslim American. And so yep. there have been now multiple different takes. This isn't just G. Willow Wilson's pet project. And I'm assuming, Lena, as someone who continues to read the book, this is the adventures continue to feel fresh is I mean, how, how's it holding up? It's been eight years. almost.
0: Yeah, I think it's holding up pretty well. It's, I, it was a good idea to I love G. Willow Wilson. I think I think she did a fantastic job. Obviously, bringing Kamala Khan to the world and all that. But then, like, it makes sense like to just shift over to another writer. His name is Saladin Ahmad. And yeah, I think he's done a good job of what he's particularly done well, especially in the first few issues. I'll give very tiny spoilers, but basically, at some point, Kamala Khan is taken to another planet. <laughs> and oh, is it a
2: Muslim planet? Sorry.
0: No, but I but the thing is there's a lot of sort of like the alien names have more Muslim y sounding names, like the more Arabic names. Yeah. And it's just really interesting because I think with so many other superheroes, there's a lot of Christian mythology that it draws on, like mm-hmm. Superman and all that. And so so it's really fascinating to have another muslim american writer who's bringing in a lot of like islamic history into into character well like not necessarily saying like and here's an issue about islamic history but just sort of like weaving it into the plot weaving into characters names or whatever and so he does a really good job of that and i think that's really fun because we're so used to these very Christian slash Western mythologies in these superhero comics, so it's it's fun to read about this this other history that we've literally never touch on. <laughs>
1: wow, that actually reminds me, Roman, of when we were re- reviewing Sandman. What I, f- I forgot the guest's name. Sorry, was it Barun?
2: Yeah, 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 Barun.
1: Barun was one of his his points of criticism was how Eurocentric the Sandman mythos was, and so yeah, so it's just interesting, Lena, to hear you mm-hmm. to hear you pick that out about. How the mythology in the science fiction world goes beyond the usual Judeo-Christian
2: influences. Well, yeah, and yeah in, in Sandman, it's like they touched. There's one thing where a lot of the gods of myth come for like a meeting, and they barely scrape over all of Eastern culture. And it's expensive. And then there's like one issue where Morpheus like interacts with the Sultan in Baghdad, and it's a really cool story. But it's like, okay, thank you, British guy, for. Scratching the, and again, yeah, (laughs) he 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 had it. He to be fair, Neil Gaiman had an admiration for it. He just was out of his depth, and and it was it actually one of my favorite issues is that one with like the Sultan of Baghdad. But at the same time, it's just like okay, I guess you can only go so far because you're going to get yourself in trouble if you're not careful, Neil. Right? I think it is.
0: I I just think, I mean, we, so yeah, that's the whole thing that there's so many, not just comic books, but movies, TV shows, whatever, they are so Eurocentric, right? And we don't explore any other kinds of mythologies, histories, all that when they have just as much depth to them, right? I mean, look at what the Black Panther movie has done. It's given everyone a whole new perspective and appreciation for Various African cultures and their mythologies and their history, and you could even see that from the the costume design, the the makeup, the hair, all of it. Like it's just there's so much there, and we've barely scratched the surface. And that's what I want. That's what I was gonna
2: say. I mean, America's biggest export is our culture, right? And our culture for a while. And again, to be fair, a lot of the greats in comics are Brits and Scots, but. Uh, the, and, and again, you could say the same thing about UK culture, right? The, the culture of film and literature and poetry have come out of these two great Western cultures. But <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of that control has been white men paying other white men to tell stories and a few white women. And I do think we are starting to scratch the surface for Bob Iger, a white guy, to say, okay, Ryan Coogler, I'll let you do what you want to do. For whoever was in charge at Marvel to say, and I think I read an article about this, they were literally sitting at- around the editorial room saying, we need a new and different character that reflects what teens are today. And I think G. Willow Wilson, or one of her co-creators, said in the room, like, well, there's a bunch of brown kids in Jersey City. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, let's go with that, because that sounds different. That'll sell. And again, mm-hmm. capitalism, I think, is finally starting to catch up with, oh, okay, we've already squeezed as much water as we can from the rock let's now now here's my fear we told one black panther story check we yeah. allowed a black yeah. guy to be captain america check we've got one muslim superhero like what i hate is you can't hang all of being a muslim on kamala khan that's not fair and yeah. it's been mm-hmm. nine years or whatever like what else is out there
0: yeah i completely agree i mean that's where the disney princesses are at right we got a brown one we got a black one we got an asian one and but we're going to keep making frozen and like keep that going so that's yeah let it, let it go lena let it go <laughs> yeah i mean it is a fear of mine too i don't i don't like it either i don't like this whole tokenizing bullshit like it, yeah it's not going to fly but i am also hoping 2020 being as horrific as it was will be some sort of awakening that lasts hopefully longer than five minutes for everyone and I think it has so far like even just I don't know just paying attention to what people are saying on social media or at work and whatever people seem to realize that storytelling cannot remain the same well I think um, something different
2: what I want I do love the level of specificity that Wakanda and Afrofuturism can bring me that Kamala and her Pakistani parents saying things that I heard my Indian parents say can bring, but I kind of also want Stephen Young and Walking Dead. He was just a <laughs> pizza guy who just happened to be Asian, and he doesn't talk and wax on about his p- poor not no pun intended I apologize, but he doesn't go on and on about his Asianness in the show. I think the only moments. When the Glenn character does, is like, I'm a geeky Asian guy, you're a hot white girl. But it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. And like, they talk about that a couple of times, but it's he's just a dude who happens to be Asian in America. Again, a yeah. post-apocalyptic, zombie-infested America. But I want some of that too. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't mind digging into <laughs> the identity and having a very special episode where Sam goes and meets his sister in Louisiana. But I I don't know. Now that's borderline. It's like saying, stay in your lane, don't talk. But like, I I think I I want it to be more normalized. I don't want it to be the one token brown guy on the team or the one token black girl on the team. I've been thinking about it's hard to reconcile that because
1: on the one hand, you don't want to deny the specifics of, of your personal experience due to your race, due to your religion or a combination of all of the above that creates who you are today or who the character is today. So you don't want to entirely ignore it. But of course, I hear your point also. You don't want to dwell on it. You don't want it. You don't want, hey, this character is a Muslim and you don't want that being repeated over and over and over again. So it's yeah.
2: it,
1: the other thing I was. About that, Walking Dead was created by a, a white guy, and so having the Glenn character just sort of integrate—he could very well be black or white. There's no specifics about his experience as an Asian, and I wonder if part of that is also because
2: you he was know, written by a white um, guy,
1: he was written by a white guy. If Robert Kirkman were to try to write a story about Glenn's racial identity or that implicated the character's racial identity, would that have worked? And in a way, I wonder to what extent could a non-Muslim write
2: Ms. Marvel? Well, Mark Wade. I, so in the Champions, yeah. he doesn't dwell on all of like the stories of Kamala and her heritage and her parents. Kamala's a hero operating in the Marvel universe, but Mark Wade does one thing well, it's he writes characters. But she's right. not a Muslim. She is, but she's not right. She's just the it's like the aspect. most mature person on this team, right? Yeah
0: totally agreeing with what both of you are saying but there has to be a balance right like there i i also want that world where it's just normal to be who you are and i don't have to dwell on my racial identity all the time but there does have to be some sort of acknowledgement too right and i okay sorry i'm gonna go off on a tiny little tangent but do either of you watch the show this is us (laughs)
2: quite a bit (laughs) yes
0: okay well there's a great see so it's about this family and they've adopted a a black son exactly and when he's like eight or ten years old he's talking to his white adoptive father and the subject of race basically comes up and his dad is like when i see you i don't i don't see color i just see my son and there's a pause and his the son just looks at his dad and he's like then you don't see me And I just, I thought that line was so good, right? Like you can't just, yes, you can love him and whatever, but you still have to acknowledge the fact that you are raising a black boy. And that means something different. And then Ryan, what you just brought up about having a non-Muslim writer write, maybe a future story about Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel and stuff. I think that's totally possible, right? It's all about putting in the work though. For example- if you're writing a screenplay about Abraham Lincoln, you're going to do your fucking research. <laughs> you're, so so do the damn work, R- research, read about Islamic history, talk to real Muslim people. I don't think that only Muslim characters can or necessarily should be written by Muslims, but I expect you to do
2: the work. Well, and, and it's to, to avoid the unavoidable mistakes. And I do think it's an evolution because – all these characters, uh, I remember back in the day, Captain America, Cap's always, it's not always it sounds bad. he's always like dating someone new, right? And <laughs> he was dating a Jewish girl, and the girl he was dating, like, threw around a lot of Yiddish, and that's when I first learned the term Goy, which means non-Jewish boy in Yiddish. And was the writer Jewish? I don't know, but I guess uh, the point I'm trying to make is like, there's a lot of normalization of white culture, right? So... And that's the things that are being depicted. And so I do wonder if, yes, go. What part of what makes Kamala special isn't just that she is Muslim, but that is an important part of her identity. But what makes these first volumes of Ms. Marvel so special is the deep dive into her because a lot of America doesn't understand this, doesn't know this. But I think on issue 250, do we need to spend as much time with it? Will, not do we, will hmm. we need to spend as much time with it because it's, going to become more normalized like Hmm. we don't have to explain all the intricacies of white culture because Mm -hmm. it's so normalized like i know even though i didn't grow up in a white household i've seen enough tv shows to know what it's like to eat dinner around a white dinner table and Mm -hmm. but i could make the same argument that most of my white friends or girlfriends back in the day did not know what it was like to eat dinner around my dinner table Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: i think so i think a lot of that a lot of that explanation needs to happen for us to evolve our acceptance and our acknowledgement of, oh, okay, this is where you're coming from. So,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I hope that it becomes a case <laughs> by issue it... 250.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they'll re- need to reboot it like three times because that's Probably. what Marvel does—a new number one every couple of years. <laughs> I know, Lord.
0: <laughs> so, any final
2: takes on Miss Marvel? I, I do appreciate
1: what what Marvel is doing, not just with Ms. Marvel, but also with Miles Morales. With I know Jean Lun Yang is also creating a character based off of Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, who's a Chinese figure. Kind of wish that had happened when I was younger, but maybe then mm-hmm. again, I don't know. I guess I turned out okay. I mean, when I was growing up, comics were for like geeks who just had no social life, and now that they're being fourteen boys. That, that, yes, it's it's way. I mean, it is actually way more important nowadays because of the MCU because. It's, it's an ip being a fan of marvel, yeah. well being a fan of marvel comics is sort of a mainstream thing right everyone everyone is a fan of, of the marvel cinematic universe or of marvel comics everyone every hero in the marvel universe is now almost a household name unlike when we were growing up when it was much more of a niche play so the fact that this is happening now i think it is important and it and it is significant
2: mm-hmm. I, I think what my final thought on miss marvel and, and lena i want to give you the last word as well but I read it as a father. The first time I read it, I wasn't a father. The second time I read it, my daughter was two. This third time I read it, my daughter is five. And I could not help... It's like when I saw the movie The Namesake. I read the book, and I saw the whole thing from the kid's point of view. This teenage boy, Bengali American, growing up in America. You just don't understand, Mom and Dad. And then I watched the movie where the cast was Cal Penn, an actor who I just have an irrational hate of. But the dad... (laughs) was (laughs) Irfan Khan, an Indian actor who I didn't know enough about. Like, but I fell in love with his acting because of that movie. And I saw the whole movie from the dad's point of view. And I'm not saying I saw the whole of Miss Marvel from her dad's point of view. No, but I couldn't help but look at Kamala as a father, if that makes sense. And it's like, I couldn't, like, there's some scenes with her and Carol Danvers where Kamala is clearly a little teenage girl. Like, there's moments, expressions of the way she runs and she looks, and I can't help but, like, see... I'm being really cheesy here, but, like, I can't help but feel protective of her, and I don't know if that's misogynistic or something, if I'm using that word correctly. But, no, it's just, like, I, I care and I feel protective of this character, because... There's so many moments, and I felt the same way about Peter Parker and Brian Bendis's run. Like, literally tears would come to my eyes when things would happen with Peter and some of my rereadings as a father, is, these guys are just kids. Like, I'm old, I've done my shit. Like, And it is this like passing of the torch, and it's just like, you feel this pride and this protective nature of, over these characters, and wanting them to see the best that they can be. So yeah, that is my like sappy interpretation on my third read of this book, which is, and I think it's why I'm going to keep coming back to it, right? Like I legitimately really hope they don't screw this character up as the year's go on, because let's be clear, it is comic books. She will perpetually be a teenager, like for the next
0: 15 or 20 years. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's really interesting to hear. And that's, that's really cool actually. And when I read this, I'm not a parent, but I do have nieces, and nephews so I do I think about them now when I reread it when I first started reading it back in 2014 I really just thought about 14 year old little Lena and how much I would have loved to read this when I was in high school and growing up in Michigan and Ohio where I really there was there were not a lot of brown folks (laughs) so yeah yeah I don't know I think Miss Marvel is going to be I will continue reading it forever and ever as long as they keep making (laughs) this comic. So yeah, I really, there are so many parts where it just feels like I'm reading about myself sometimes and it's weird and very touching at the same time.
2: Awesome. Well, Lena, thank you for coming on and uh, sharing with us.
0: Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Lena.
2: But Ryan, I have one final question for you. No, I've got a final question for you, Ruman, which is what are we reading next week? (laughs) Oh, snap. That's right. Next week, we are reading The Flintstones. Now, you're probably saying, what the hell? Why are we reading The Flintstones? The Flintstones, by many accounts, was the best comic of 2016. And I thought that was a batshit crazy fact, but then I got it. And it's a comic book by Mark Russell. And If you know anything about Mark Russell, which I did not at the time, is he has some really subversive takes, and he just uses modern-day characters to do them. So The Flintstones, a 12-issue limited series, it is basically a litigation of modern-day capitalism. (laughs) So, Ryan, I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on this. I cannot wait to dive back into The Flintstones, which I have not read since 2016, but one of the best comics of 2016 – Mark Russell's The Flintstones here on Quarantine Comics.
1: I am inspired now to take my vitamins. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right or what I got wrong. qtdcomics.gmail.com. at gmail.com give you a social media handle but we're old that feels like too much work i'm roman Segel,
1: and i am and have always been ryan joe